Okay, we're beginning here on Mem Dalad Amud Bet, 10 lines up, Amr Abayi. Here, the Gemara is discussing the issue of someone who brings korbanot on the 8th day and needs to go to the mikveh on the 7th day. That need to go to the mikveh on the 7th day, is that absolute? I mean, that if he doesn't go to the mikveh on the 7th day and goes to the mikveh on the 8th day, then he would have to postpone his bringing of the korbanot an additional day, because he needs not only to go to the mikveh, but he needs Herev Shemesh. He needs the sun to set on him on that given day. So now, Amar Abayib, I found the Chabura of Rabinotun Barhushayah, the Yatvin Bikamrin. They were sitting and saying the following. When is he allowed to come? Bizman Shehu Taval. Vasa Herev Shemesh. Only once he's gone to the mikveh and done Herev Shemesh. The time that he did it's vila and the sun set on him, it works. Lo Taval Vasa Herev Shemesh Lo. But if he didn't go to the mikveh and the sun did not set on him, no. So now they are learning it out, and this is what Abaye is going to propose and then question, which is that Uvaldifne Hashem El Petach Omoed is following whatever happened beforehand. Meaning that the permissibility of coming before Petach Omoed is determined by whatever was demanded by the Torah prior to this. And the Torah demands prior to this that you go to the mikveh, and then you have the sun set on you. So those, or that requirement, precedes the ability of the Zav to bring his korbanot. Alma, kasavar tful yom shel Zav, kazav dami. That a yom of a Zav has the same din as a Zav fully. So now here, when we're talking about the setup of the Migdash, the Migdash has the same setup as the Machane Yisrael in the Midbar. The Machane Yisrael in the Midbar, you have Machane Yisrael itself. Then you have Machane Leviah, Leviim that are surrounding the Mishkan. And then you have the Mishkan itself, which is Oel Moed or the Machane Shechina. The parallel in Yerushalayim or in the Migdash is that all of Eretz Yisrael, including the Yerushalayim itself, is Machane Yisrael. Harabayit is Machane Leviyah. Harabayit has the din of Machane Leviyah all the way up to the Azara. The Azara itself has the din of Machane Shechina. Now that is only true by the Ezra Yisrael. Ezra Nashim is still like the Harabayit and it's deemed to be Machane Leviyah. The entrance to, or the main entrance to the Ezrat, Israel, Ezrat Konim, to the areas where the Mizbeach sat, and so on and so forth, was the Shar Nikanor, which is the eastern entrance, eastern gate into the Migdash. That Shar Nikanor is where all the Mechuseri Kapara came to bring their Kurbanot. It happened to be that it was also known Nitkadesh. The actual gateway itself was not Nitkadesh in order to allow the Mitzorah, who needs to put his Bohen Yadon, Bohen Raglo, into the Azara to accomplish his tara without violating the Easter for him to enter into the Mikdash. So this Shar Nikanor is where they're going to appear in the Machane Leviyah. Ezav is restricted from entering into the Machane Shechina, as well as the Machane Leviyah. He's not allowed to enter into either of those areas. That would preclude the Zav from appearing in the Shar Nikanor to bring his Korbanot. So now, if he was to the Mikveh, on his seventh day, the Zav, you would have assumed that that seventh day, when he goes to the mikvah and becomes a Tful Yom, that he's dropped some level of Tumah. And in dropping down to a level of Tumah of Tful Yom, 
maybe now you should be able to access the Machane Leviyah. What the Chavrin of Rabbi Natan Baruchayar is saying is that this Brayta teaches you that that's not the case. When a person is a Tful Yom from a Zav, they remain at the same Tuma level as a Zav, and they may not enter the Machane Leviyah. Since they can't enter the Machane Leviyah, they can't bring their Korbanot. And that's what's preventing them from bringing their Korbanot on the seventh day and waiting to the eighth day. So that's as far as a Zav is concerned. Now Tosafot over here explains what did they add. I mean, the Brayta says this explicitly. What did they add that we didn't know from the Brayta? So Tosafot suggests over here, And he can't send his Korbanot. The Chiddush here is because a Zav's Tumah is something that doesn't come externally, but it's something that is produced himself. And therefore, And therefore, the Diktuk, or what they added over here, is that not only is a Zav who has three sightings, also restricted from going in, so is a Zav who has two sightings. The difference between a Zav with two sightings and a Zav with three sightings is a Zav with two sightings is Tamei Shiva Yamim, but does not have to bring Korbanot. A Zav who says three sightings is Tamei Shiva Yamim, and then has to bring Korbanot on the eighth day. Now, the conclusion from this is that this is not uniquely related to bringing the Korbanot on the eighth day, but to the fact that he's a full Yom of a Zav. A Tvobiyom of Azav, who has Tumah that emanates from his body itself, that Tumah is so strong that even after he goes to the Mikveh, he remains Azav until the sun sets that night. That means whether he had a sighting, two sightings, where he has to wait the seven days, he'll be out of commission, not able to enter Machanel until the end of the seventh day. And the same will be true if he is a Bazav Baushloshriot, and he has to bring Korbanot, he's out of commission until he goes to the Mikveh, and then the sun sets. That's why he has to wait to the eighth day, not necessarily because of the korbanot, but because of the fact that a tvo yom of azav has the same din as azav, he can't enter into the machin That would be true of a bal shteriot or bal shloshriot. That is the proposition of Rav Natan Barushaya's chabura when they saw this brayta. Then, Bain says, Amin Lohonano, I said back to them, Melamiato, Gabi Nazir Tamei Nami. So what about a Nazir Tamei? Dichtiv. And by the Nazir Tamei, it says that the Nazir also, when he brings his korbanot on the eighth day, he has to then bring them. He also has to bring them to the petach omoed, implying that prior to that point in time, he's not allowed to go to the petach omoed. So if I draw the same conclusion that you are drawing with regards to the Zav, and I now do the same thing with regards to a Nazir Tamei, then I would suggest the same conclusion, which is, when would he then be allowed to bring his Korbanot? That only once he went to the Mikveh and had Erev Shemesh. Now, Rabbi is going to show that that is not possible, or that's incorrect. So what Abayi says is, if you make such a diyuk by a Zav, then do the same thing by a Nazir Tamei. But when you do that by the Nazir Tamei, you reach a conclusion that is incorrect. And just like the conclusion by the Nazir Tamei is incorrect, so too your conclusion by the Zav is incorrect.
Because Michdei, Sharnikanor, Hechikaimin, Bishare Levia. Where is Sharnikanor? As we explained before, Sharnikanor is a din of Machane Levia. Vatanya, Tamei Mate, Mutar Likanes, Bimachane Levia. A Tamei Mate only gets thrown out of one Machane, and that's the Machane Shechina. He's not precluded from going into Machane Levia or Machane Yisrael. As opposed to a Zav, who gets sent out of Machane Shechina and Machane Levia. Velo Tamei Mate Bilvad. It's not only a person who's Tamei Mate that can go into the Machane Levia. Ela Afila Mate Atzmo. Even a mate itself can be in the Machane Levia. Shunemar. What's the proof to that? Vayikach Moshe Atzmot Yosef Imo. Moshe takes Yosef's bones out of Mitzrayim and takes them to Eretz Yisrael. When he transports them, he doesn't simply transport them, he transports them, Imo, with him. My Imo, what does that mean, with him? Imo b'mechitzato. That means together with him, where he resided. Imo b'machane leviyah. means that it's in the machane leviyah, and a mate is now found in the machane leviyah. So what? Abayi says is your conclusion seems to be incorrect here. Because a tamay mate is allowed to enter into machane leviyah. That means certainly... It's full yom from Tamei Meit. Certainly should be able to enter into Machane Leviyah. So here, by the Nazir Tamei, the only restriction a Nazir Tamei has is that he was Tamei to Matamei. A Nazir Tamei has no extra restrictions in terms of entering into the Machane Leviyah, Machane Shkiyinah. There's nothing wrong with him except for the fact that he is Tamei Meit. And now, if he's a Tamei Meit, he should be able to enter into Machane Leviyah. And certainly, if he went to the Mikveh, he should be able to enter into Machne Leviyah. So what's preventing him from going to Shar Nikanor? You say, oh, it's a diok out of the Pasuk, that, well, if it says he comes to Petach it means that he's precluded from entering into Petach prior to that time. Why is he prevented from going in there? There's no reason to prevent him from going in there. It's certainly not because he's a Tful Yom, and that a Tful Yom Tamei Mate is Kitamei Mate, because that wouldn't prevent him from going in. So it must be that there's a different reason behind this pasuk by Nazir. And the same way there's a different reason by the Nazir, we'll also say by the Zav there's a different reason. And your conclusion by the Zav is incorrect. Now, here you have numerous girsa'ot as to what happens now. Either this is a continuation of Abaye's statement, and Abaye now goes on to explain what the real reasoning behind the Pasuk is, or to explain what's going on by Nazir Tamei, and then same by Azav. Or, these are the Chavrin of Rabbi Natan Barushaya responding to Abaye and saying, you misunderstood our diuk, or you misunderstood what we're learning. So if it says Ella, right, then it's a rejection. If you look in the Mifresh, it says, Haki Garsinan, Be'olam, Tvulyam Shel Zav, Kizav Domi. He concludes that, yes, they are responding to Abaye and saying, That a Tvulyom of Azav is like Azav. But that is not the reason why he cannot enter into the Machine Leviyah. Not because of Tful Yom Kezav Zami, but rather because Mechusrei Kapara Talia The fact that he has yet to bring his Korbanot is what's preventing him from entering into this area. Afogav, 
And even though a Tamei maid could enter into Machane Leviyah, or even a mate could enter into Machane Leviyah, This is a special din in someone who's required to bring Kurbanot, that they are prevented or precluded from entering into this area because they are Mechusarei Kapara. They need to go to the mikveh, then have hair of Shemesh, and then bring their kurbanot. And in bringing their kurbanot, that's what permits them then to enter into this area and enter further into the Machanesh Shechina. So you misunderstood. You thought that the din here had to do with, or focused, you barely focused on the Tavul Yom aspect of it. The reason that he can't enter into here is because Tavul Yom of Azav is Kizav Dami. And that's what's preventing him from entering into here. Then you compare that to Nazir Tamei, where it's full yom of a Nazir Tamei is like a Tamei mate. That doesn't prevent them from going in there. Now I don't have any explanation that parallels by Nazir Tamei. You got it wrong. That's not the explanation. The explanation is, yes, Tvul yom zav kizav dami. That's true. But here, the reason he can't enter is because he's in Mechusarei Kapara. He has to bring Korbanot the next day. And when you have to bring Korbanot the next day, you are precluded from entering the areas... So slowly you go through the process that allows you to go in. Go to the mikveh, Herav Shemesh, then enter Machane Leviyah, then bring your Korbanot, enter into Machane Shechina. You have stages that let you back in, and that's true both by a Zav, as well as by a Tamei mate. That is a Nazir Tamei. Even though a normal Tamei mate would not have this problem. A normal Tamei mate could enter into Machane Leviyah. Or a Tzboyom of a Tamei mate could enter into Machane Leviyah. You can't enter because you are Mechusrei Kapara. It's a unique din. So therefore, according to the Mifarish, the way that he's explaining the Gemara, then number one, Azab Baal would not have this restriction. Now, he would have the restriction because of Tvul Yom Abzab Kazab Dami. Yes, he won't be able to enter, but he doesn't have this Mechusarei Kapara restriction. And anybody else who's a Tamei mate will not have this restriction because he's not Mechusarei Kapara. The Mifarish asks at the end here, he goes, oh, how come the Mitzorah can stick his thumb in, stick his toe in? How come that's true? So that's Bia Bemixa Loshme Bia, that if you stick a portion of your body in, it's not considered entering into the Machanesh so that's what allows him to do it. So here, the explanation is consistent now that anybody's Mechusarei Kabra cannot enter the Machanesh until they brought their Korbanot. And the preclusion of going into the Machanesh is because of his being a Mechusarei Kabra here, not because of a normal Tamei mate, or because of being a Zav, even though a Zav would prevent them, and a Tamei mate would not. But here it's a unique din in Mechusarei Kapara, until they go to the Mikveh, have Herav Shemesh, they can't enter into the Machanei Leviyah. That's the way that the Mifresh explains it. On the other hand, Tosafot has a different gear. So you can see in the Tosafot, he maintains the word Ella. Ella, Amar Abaye, Tvoyom de Zav, Lam Kizav Dami. So now he has two different gears. The first one has the word Ella. And number two is, he has lav kizav dami. Right, so that's different than the mifaresh. Number one is the opposite conclusion of the mifaresh. And number two is, it is Abaye who's speaking then. Which is Abaye now says that you got this all wrong. That it has nothing to do with tvul yom of azav kizav dami. That's not the reason behind why he can't enter into the machinel of Elam Abaye, tvul yom dezav lav kizav dami. It's not azav, afilachi. Came into mechusur kapara lo ayo. But because he's a Mechusra Kabai, he can't go in. Avai, the Svirle, lo, kezav dami. Layan, the Shochtim, Zorkim, alav. That, what does it mean that he's not like a Zav? That you could be Shochet and Zorekanim. Mikomakom, 
אסור להיכנס, פה מחוסר כפרים לא היו במחנה לביאה. So it's a unique din in Machanel Leviyah from Mechusari Kabra, the same conclusion that the Mepharesh has. They're coming to the same conclusion, but here it's a Bai coming to the conclusion, not the Chavrin of Rabnatan Boshaya, number one. And number two is that a Tvoyom of a Zav is not Kazab Domi. And that means that a Tvoyom of a Zav Balshteriyot would be able to enter into the Machanel Leviyah. Because a Tvoyom of a Zav is permitted to enter into Machanel Leviyah. He is only precluded in this case because he is a mechusere kapara. And so that's the way Tosfot's answer will differ from that of the Mephresh. Number one is that a Zav Baal according to the Tosfot, will be allowed to enter Machanel Leviyah once he's gone to the Mikveh. Whereas according to the Mephresh, he would not be because the Tulviyom of a Zav is Kazav Domi. That's number one. And number two is who's the speaker in the case here. According to the Tosfot, it is Abaye that is speaking. Whereas according to the Mepharesh, this is the response of Rav Natan Bar Oshaya. Now there is one more explanation of the Gemara that actually preserves our Gemara as it is, which is Ella, Fulyom Shazav, Kizav Domi. That is the Girsa that we have in our Gemara. And that is, if you combine the two Shitot of Tosafot and the Mepharesh, which is that Ella means Abai is speaking. And then he says, Fulyom Shazav, Kizav Domi. The conclusion is that a tvul yom of azav is azav. Bafilochi came into mechusar kapara lo ayo. That the din is a din in mechusare kapara. So basically, you would read it like the mifaresh. That the conclusion of the gemara is that tvul yom kazav is kazav domi. That's for other dinim. Now, as far as the reason you can't enter here is not because of tvul yom kazav domi, but rather because of mechusare kapara. That for that reason it also will affect the Nazir Tameh, because he's also a Mechusar Kapara. So even though technically his Tuma status should allow him to enter into the Machanel Leviyah, nevertheless he'll be precluded because he is also a Mechusar Kapara. So that's the third way to read it, which basically combines the Mepharesh and the Baliyat Tosafot, but the conclusion then is that Fuyom Shulzab is Kizab Domi. That would be true of a Baal Shlosh But nevertheless, the preclusion here is because of Mechusar Kapara, and that will also affect the Nazir Tamei. Now, either way, depending if you read this as Rabbi Natan Barashaya's Chabura saying this, or Abai saying this, they continue now to explain their position, which is, if the person is standing the Machanel Leviyah, then why is that called Omoed? Omoed is the Azara. That means that he's coming into the Omoed itself. The Memra. Just like it's clear that into the Ol Moed itself, a Mechusare Kapara can't enter into the Azara itself. So too, a Mechusare Kapara cannot enter into the Machane Leviyah. So that's what it means, that he can only enter into Petach Ol Moed once he has already reached the point of just having to bring his Korbanot. But prior to that point in time, he can't go in there. And from there, how do you know that? How do you know that a Mechusare Kabra can't enter Ol Moed? The Tanya. That a person remains Tamei. This is the beginning of Parshat Chukat, when it talks about Tumat mate. It says there that Tamei, that he will remain Tamei, even after he has gone to the Mikveh, the Rabot, Tvuyom, O Tumato Bo, the Rabot, Mechusare Kapara. That he will remain Tamei, even after he's gone to the Mikveh. Even after he's gone to the mikveh and the sun is set, he still is considered to be Tamei 
the Gabay entrance into the Omoei, and that's a Mechusarei Kapara. Say Tvoyom and a Mechusarei Kapara now enter into the Omoei. And just like they're not allowed to enter into Omoei, so to here, a Mechusarei Kapara that has yet to have Herev Shemesh cannot enter into Petach Omoei, but here we're saying Petach Omoei is not literally Omoei, but the area of Machane Livia. But the reference to Omoed teaches me that just like by Omoed, there's a restriction of entrance, so too the same restriction applies to someone who's a Mechusarei Kapara, that he may not enter even after he's gone to the Mikveh, until the sun is set, and then he's ready to bring his Korbanot. On the next day, then he can enter into Machane Deviyah to present his Korbanot, and that will then allow him to enter into Machane Shechina after that point. If you look in the Mepharesh, he reads it differently and says that, even if he went to the mikveh and the sun set, he still would not be able to go into Machne Leviyah until he brought his korbanot, because he was still mechusrei kapara. That's very difficult to say, because by the mitzorah, we know that the mitzorah enters to Shar Nikanor. He has to put his boy in Yado and Raglo into the Azara, and so we know that he goes to Shar Nikanor even before he's brought his korbanot. But that is what the Mifresh says, but if you look in the Rosh, and it's seeming from the Tosfot, the conclusion here is that until the sun is set, he is precluded from entering Machane Leviyah. Once the sun is set, he can enter Machane Leviyah, and then he brings his korbanot, which will allow him to enter to the Machane Shekhinah. Now again, according to the Balei Tosafot and the Rosh, says the same thing. This will be limited to a Zav, and would not apply to a Tamei mate or even to a Nazir Tamei, because they say that the Chidush over here is that this is true of someone who's Tumah Yutzah Mitoch Kufo. Nazir Yochol Ikanez Machane Shekhinah, that that title of Mechusarei Kapara only applies to individuals who have Tuma that emanates from their body itself. And so yes, the din is true by Mechusarei Kapara, but it's not true by the Nazir Tamei, because he's not deemed to be a Mechusarei Kapara. Whereas according to the Mifereish, he would still be deemed a Mechusarei Kapara, the Nazir Tamei, and he would have the same restrictions, but full yom, as the... Zav, who is a Mechusarei Kapara. Right, Tiglachat Tara. So the previous Mishnah dealt with Tiglachat Tuma. When he had to cut his hair when he became Tamei. Here is a Nazir that reaches the conclusion of his Nazirut, and now he has to do his haircut for Tiglachat Tara. Ketzad. How does he do this? He brings three animals. Chatat, Ola, Ushlamim. Those are our Mefurash in the Psukim. We know that he has to bring a chatat ula shlamim when he concludes. B'shochet et shlamim umigaleach alehem. He shechs the shlamim, and that's the one that he does the haircut on. Is the shkitata shlamim divrei Rabbi Yehuda. Now the way that the Tosfot reads this is that Rabbi Yehuda's position is that you bring the shlamim first, and then you cut your hair on the shlamim. There is somewhat of a difficulty with that explanation. And therefore, the Rambam explains over here that Rabbi Yehuda is not telling you the order of the korbanot over here, but rather he's telling you on which korban do you actually cut your hair. And so therefore, it's not telling you bring shlamim first and cut your hair on the shlamim, but rather it's telling you which korban or over which korban do you do this. And therefore, you would still bring them in the order of the psukim, which if you look in the order of the psukim, it said zot torat. So 
So if you looked in the order of the psukim, it would be Ola Chatat Shlamim. And all Rabbi Yehuda is doing is saying that you cut your hair on the Shlamim, but not giving you necessarily the order in which that you do it. And that's why Tosfot leaves it the question mark at the end of his parish where he says, V'kasha, Im Chatat Why does the psukim mention the Ola and the Chatat before the Shlamim if you're meant to cut your hair on the Shlamim? And that's what the Rosh says over here. Even though the psukim seem to give you a different order, nevertheless, you do the shlamim first. So you see all these rishonim arguing that the shlamim is the first korban based on Rabbi Yehuda, and that's what you do your tiglacharan. Even though the psukim seem to indicate otherwise, again, the Rambam says that the order here is the order that the psukim lay out. It's just a question of where you cut your hair, and you cut your hair on the shlamim. Rabbi Lazar Omer, you cut on the chatat. Because the chatat goes first in every instance. That we bring the chatat first. There's a binyanab that a chatat always goes before an ola. And since the chatat is the first kurban that is brought, he cuts his hair on the first kurban, which is the chatat. As long as he brought one kurban, then he cuts his hair, that is sufficient. If he cut it on any of the korbanot, that will suffice. Brings three animals and doesn't explain which animals for which. We should be able to identify them through their gender and their type. Which is, if it's a female, then it's going to be for the chatat. That's what a kibsa is brought as a chatat. So we know that if it's a female in its first uh, year, a young female, then it's going to be a chatat. Unola has to be a male, has to be a zachar, and it's going to be a zachar ben shana. It's going to be a zachar in its first year of life, so that's the keves. And then if you have an ayol that is brought, which is two years old, that can only be brought as a shlamim. So you'll know that that's the shlamim. So through each of the behemoth, you'll know which behemoth belongs to which korban, even though he has not identified them clearly. Tanarabanan. So here, the requirement of the Nazir is that takes his hair, he puts it on the fire, under the Shlamim. So now, the Gemara says, The Possum is talking about Shlamim. It says by the Shlamim that you have to shecht it petach omoed. So over here when it says, Vigilach nazir petach omoed, what does it mean that he has to cut his hair petach omoed? So now the Gemara says that petach omoed comes to reference another petach omoed or a kurban that requires petach omoed, which is the Shlamim. The Shlamim, by the Shlamim it says, Vishachato petach omoed. So now the assumption would be that you have to cut your hair in the same place that you bring the shlamim. Are you saying like the shlamim, that you do it by the shlamim? That's what petach omoed means? Similar to the shlamim, or does it literally mean petach omoed? Petach omoed, the omoed is in the Mikdash, the heichal. Petach omoed would mean you stand in front of the heichal and cut your hair. Which means you be in the azara, cutting your hair. Amar, it's imkein derech bizayonu. That is something that is unbecoming. To cut your hair right in front of Hashem, in front of the Eichal. 
And therefore, that cannot be the explanation. You don't need this. We have the pasuk that's found at the end of Parshat Itro, which says that one may not build a mizbeach with stairs, because if you build it with stairs, then you're megale erva going up the stairs. So over there, where it's not really derch bizayon, it's only slightly off to do something like this. The Torah says no. Kalvachomer le derch bizayon. Similarly over here, cutting one's hair in front of the omoid, petachomoid would be considered unbecoming, and therefore we don't need to learn it out that you don't do it with petachomoid. It's obvious that you don't cut your hair petachomoid. You can't take the puzzle literally because it's derech bizayon. Tosavo doesn't love the fact that it's a kalvachomer over here. He says, what do you need a kavachomer for? It's obvious on the pasuk that you're not allowed to do things that are derech bizayon before the omoei. So why do you need a kavachomer? Therefore, Tosafot favors the girsa of the Midrash Halakha that says that this statement of Rabbi Oshaya is not separate, but rather a continuation of the Brita beforehand. And therefore, instead of this being a separate statement, it's rather a continuation of the previous statement. That's what Tosavot says over here. Ubisifrei eina girsa raboshay omer tamakama. And in the sifrei, if you look it up, this doesn't split up into two different pieces. But rather, Tosavot says that that's not the case. But the sifrei eina girsa raboshay omer tamakama. mamash. So now you have a problem because the pasuk says petach moed, and you're saying bizayon, so you have two things challenging. So now you need the Kavachomer to say, don't darshan the Pasuk in that manner. So it's not an independent statement, and that's why he needs the Kavachomer to go against what would have otherwise been the interpretation of the Pasuk. And he says the whole thing is one big limud from one tana, not two limudim from two separate tanaim. So that's the way Tosfot learns it over here. It's a Tosfot on the Amud Bet. All right, now we have a Nusach Acher which again, almost says the same thing, but Midrash, Parshat Naso, Yigilach HaNazir, Rabbi Shai Omer, Bishlamim HaKatu V'deber, O'Eno, Imkach Amra Torah, Lotaleh, Kavachomer L'Davar Shalai Yigaleach, Petach Omoed, Elo Bishlamim HaKatu V'deber. So that seems to be similar to what we had before. And you can see here in the Hagot, Hagro, that Aleph says that this is Divir Rabbi Shai, and then Rabbi Yitzchak Omer, that these are two separate Tanaim that are speaking. And the Midrash, that's in that Nusach Acher, does not belong in the Gemara whatsoever because the Gemara never quotes Midrashim in that manner. And therefore, the first entire statement is Dibri Raboshaya, which is similar to what the Baliatosafot say, even though the Baliatosafot didn't have that girsa. He has Dibri Raboshaya being on the entire first statement. And then Rabbi Yitzhak Omer being starting after the parentheses over here as the second Tano's position. Rabbi Yitzhak Omer, Inu Tzarich, Omer, Lakach, it's Ar Rosh Nizro. Benatan alaish. Rabbi Yitzchak says we don't need this because it says v'lakach it's arosh nizro that he takes the hair that was on his head v'natan alaish and then he puts it on the fire shetachat zevach shlamim mishenu mechusar elolikicha v'nitina. This is someone who's only missing taking the hair and putting it under the fire. Yotz as if he actually cut it in front of petachol moed, meaning right in front of the heichal. Then Shumachusar, then he needs to do a number of things. Likichai is to collect the hair that was cut. Havaa, he has to bring it to where he's cooking the shlamim. Unitina, and then place it down. So there he would be missing an extra step in order to put his hair under the fire. The only thing the Torah says is, Vlakach, gather the hair, 
and place it under the fire. That means that you are adjacent to where the fire is or where the shlamim is being cooked. The shlamim is not being cooked inside the azara. It's cooked outside in Lishkat Nazirim. It's cooked in Ezrat Nashim or here for, truthfully, for a Nazir. Shlamim could be anywhere in Yerushalayim. It's being cooked. So therefore, when the Nazir is cutting his hair, he's going to be proximate to wherever they're cooking the Shlamim. That means he's outside of the Azara, and that's where he's cutting his hair. So he says, I don't need any other limud to tell me that he's cutting his hair not in front of the Heichal, but rather somewhere outside, because he only is missing the ability to take that hair and just throw it under the fire. If he's all the way in the Azara, cutting his hair, then he's missing not only gathering the hair and putting it under the fire, he has to walk it over to wherever they're cooking the Nazir. And that's not mentioned in the Pasuk. There are some that say over here, and again, whether this girsa exists or doesn't exist, the Gruah has some issues with the girsa here. Wherever he cooks the shlamim, that's where he does the giluach. And this would actually match with Rabbi Eliezer's sheet on the Mishnah as the Rosh notes over here. He holds that you do the Giluach and the Chadad. He doesn't need Pnei Omoed to teach you that it is the Shlamim, but rather for Bezman Shupatuach, but rather when the Omoed is open. That Petach Omoed is not coming to teach you the location of where he does the cutting of the hair, but rather the necessity for the doors of the Omoed to be open. The same limu the Gemara has by the Shlamim. When we say that you have to shech the Shlamim Petach the Gemara learns from there that not literally that they're in front of Petach but that the doors of the Heichal have to be open. In order to bring the Shlamim, if the doors of the Heichal are not open, you can't bring a Shlamim. So same thing over here. Petach doesn't mean the doorway itself, that's the location, but rather Petach like Petuach. That has to be when the Omoed is open that he cuts his hair. B'Shem Zizuri Omer, He's medayek from Nazir and not Nazira. Because we don't want the woman cutting her hair and then the young Kohanim getting all excited about this woman who's coming here. Wait a minute. We have a sota where they bring her into the Azara and we don't worry about over there the Pirchei Kuna getting all excited. And you stand it right before Hashem, lo chashinan. Shemid garuba pirchekuna. Over there, we don't worry about the fact that the young kohanim are going to get excited by this woman being in here. Amlen zu kochelat to pokeset. Zo eno kochelat pokeset. There's a big difference between them. The sota is made to be a minuvelet. We make her all disgusting. They rent her garments. They tie a rope on her. They make her into a undesirable woman because they're trying to, in a sense, break her down so that she will admit to what she has done or having an extramarital affair. And therefore, she's not looking her finest when she comes in there, and therefore, we don't worry about the Pirchei Kuna getting excited. Over here, the Nizira is coming in her full regalia. She's got her makeup on. She's got her hair done. I mean, the hair's going to disappear in a second, but she's coming in looking all beautiful. And then she's cutting her hair. That's maybe too much excitement for the Pirchei Kuna. And therefore, now, whether... Rabbi Shimon Zuri is coming to argue on the other Tanaim now, who said, this is the limud from Petach Omoed. And he says, no, it can't be Petach Omoed for at least a Nazira. Maybe for a Nazir it would be okay. But for a Nazira, for sure not, because 
that would cause too much excitement for the Pirchei Kuna, and therefore it's clear that in Nazira can't, but maybe Nazir could. As the Rosh says over here, that you literally do the giluach or whether Rav Shimon Zizuri is a completely different limud. It's just on the same pasuk, but it's a different limud of Nazir below Nazira. Not that he disagrees that a Nazir also doesn't do a petach omoed because it's inappropriate. He's just adding on that a Nazira has an additional reason not to do it here because of the Pirchei Kuna and that she has to do it in a much more private manner. Maybe not even in Ezrat Nashim or in the Lishkat Nazirim because she should do this at home and then bring her hair. All that possibly Rabbi Shimon Zuri is saying is that a Nazira is different than a Nazir. That might be a statement, nothing to do with whether a Nazir does it in Mo'omoid, not in Mo'omoid, just mean that a Nazir must do it even more private than a regular Nazir. That might be a statement. Or you could say that he's arguing on the previous Tanaim and saying that only a Nazira can't do it here, but maybe a Nazir can do it in this case. Next Mishnah. Ayan tells Sa'ar Rosh Nizro, So then he takes the hair and he throws it under the cauldron that is cooking the Shlamim. Bim Gileach b'Medina lo if he cut his hair in the Medina, and the question of what Medina means here is subject, as always, to a machloket rishonim, whether Medina means anywhere outside of the Ezrat Nashim, anywhere outside the Migdash area, or does Medina mean anywhere outside of Yerushalayim? Because the Shlamim can be cooked or eaten anywhere inside of Yerushalayim. So over here, Medina would refer to anything besides your area of Yerushalayim and the Migdash. But that's by By you never throw the hair under the cauldron. Rabbi says, no, everything goes under the cauldron. The exception of the Tamei, who's out in the Medina, who does this outside either of the Mikdash or outside of Yerushalayim, that he doesn't put it under the Dud. So you have actually four permutations over here. You have Tiglachadatara, in Tiglachadatara, you can either cut his hair in the Migdash area, with, whether that means like Migdash literally, or Migdash includes Yerushalayim here. Like the Rambam says in many places with regards to Shofar and Lulav, that Migdash has a more expansive explanation, which means Migdash means both the Migdash itself as well as Yerushalayim. And you can see that in Tosfot as well. He says, near the Momokom Pshitle the Tana, the Hani Pashta the Kro, the Mashem to Yerushalayim Humigaleach. That Yerushalayim is included in the areas which are considered okay to be Megaleach. And that has to do with the need for proximity between the Giluach and the cooking of the Shlamim. So then, if he cuts his hair there, it's one case. The other case is where he's in Tiglach he cuts it outside in the Medina. Then by Tumah, you also have two cases. One case where he cuts it in the area of the Migdash, and one case where he cuts it in the area of the Medina. So what Rabbi Meir says, in one out of those four cases, do you not throw the hair under the cauldron. That is in the case of someone who cuts his hair, be Medina, when he's Tamei. Only in one of those four cases. And now we're going to see in the Gemara different opinions about this, which is, Gemara here quotes, Afterwards, he takes the sauce, the gravy from the Shlamim, and he puts it on the hair. And then and then he puts it on the fire that is cooking the shlamim. If he does it under the chatat or the asham, then he's yotze. So now Gemara We know the three korbanot that a nazir tohor brings. He brings a chatat, 
Ola and Shlamim. Why is the bright over here mentioning an Hashem at all? So that must mean that we're also referencing over here that of a Nazir Tamei. And Hashem is a Kurban that is brought by a Nazir Tamei. Amarova Chikamar. Vim Nazir Tamei. Mishaleach Tachad Adud. Shel Hashem Yatsa. That if a Nazir Tamei throws it under the dud of the Hashem, then he's Yotze. Minahani Mili. Where do you know this from? Where do we have a mention of this? So Amarova Amarkra. Shir Tachat Zevach Hashlamim. It says, under the Zevach HaShlamim, The first question is, how do you know you have to put some of the gravy underneath also? Why do you have to put some of the Shlamim underneath the fire? So it's obvious you can't take some of the Shlamim and put it in the fire, because the Shlamim itself, you're not out of waste. You have to eat it. So you can't put it under the fire. So you have to take something from the Shlamim and put it underneath. What's that? The gravy. So you put some of the gravy underneath. Where do you know that from? Because it says, Shirtachat Zevach HaShlamim. That Tachat HaZevach you're reading not as that you put it underneath the Zevach HaShlamim, but rather, that some of the Zevach also has to go tachat, also has to go underneath. So what does that mean? Some of the gravy you'll put underneath as well. Bim shilach tachat adud shel chatat. If he puts it under the chatat, yatsa, my taima. I'm across Zevach, the rabot at the chatat. Because you could have just said the word Shlamim. Why does it say Zevach Shlamim? To tell you that other Zevachim are also good. What is that? The chatat piyasham. Va fikte lai Zevach mirotev. Didn't you already use that for the gravy? In game lemakra mi roteveshlamim. My zevach. Then it should have just said roteveshlamim. Why does it use the word zevach? Shmamina robot chatat vasham. To teach you that a chatat and a sham, if you put it under them as well, it's also fine. Veima kulo la chatat vasham hudaata. So let's say it all comes for that reason, to go under the chatat vasham. Im game lema shlamim vizevach. Then let the order of the Pasuk be Shlamim and then Zevach afterwards. My Zevach HaShlamim. Why is the Zevach precede the Shlamim? Shlamim HaTartay. From there we can learn two things. One is, Tachat Zevach HaShlamim comes to teach you, Tapa, you need to put underneath some of the Zevach HaShlamim. That's one Limud. Number two is that Zevach is separate from the Shlamim, meaning also the other Zevachim, which are the Chatat and Hasham. If you put the hair under there, they're also Yotze. So you have those two Limudim. And from that, you'd also then extrapolate for to the Nazir or Tiglachata Tum'ah. Because over there, again, an Asham is only applicable by Nazir Tum'ah, but now that the extra word Zevach comes to include any Kurban, now you see the putting of the hair under other Kurbanot is also something that is considered. Tarabanan. Akola yu mishlochim tachara dud. Chutzmi tamei shigileach bimidina. Mipnei shisaro nigvar divi Rabbi Meir. So here we have the position of Rabbi Meir, who says, that everything gets thrown under the cauldron, with the exception of one case, which is the Tamei who cut his hair b'medina, which is Rabbi Meir's opinion in our Mishnah, Rabbi Meir Omer. Tosfut over here says we don't know why that is the case, that he has to bury the hair, but most likelihood it's because it's Isurei Hana'ah, and Isurei Hana'ah that don't get burnt have to be buried. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Torim Khan, Vikan Mishalchim, Torim, whether they cut the hair in the Mikdash or in the Medina, they put it under the Kurbanot. Tmeim kan bekan loyim mishalchim. And Azir, tuma, you don't have to throw the hair under the Kurban, doesn't matter if you cut it in the Mikdash or in the Medina, irrelevant. Fachumim armim, akol loayu mishalchim takat adud. Nobody puts their hair under the dud, chutz, minator, shabim Mikdash. Except for a Torah who cuts his hair in the Mikdash, mibnesh nasek mitzvato. Because then you're doing it properly. And that was your question before. What about the fact that if you're cutting your hair and not there, then you don't put your hair underneath because you're missing hava. That's the position of the Chachamim. The position of the Chachamim is that when you cut your hair in the Migdash, 
and you're right there to put it under the fire where you're cooking the shlamim, that's when you are allowed to put it or need to put it underneath the shlamim. If you cut your hair somewhere else, then you don't put it under the dough because you are not proximate to where the shlamim is being cooked. And that leads to what we discussed before, the difference in the Rishonim as to what Migdash means over here. Does Migdash mean, literally mean Migdash? And there was a Lishkat Nizirim in the Ezrat Nashim where they cut their hair and they cooked their shlamim to bring them Petach Omoed and to have it all be done right there. Or does Migdash over here have a broader meaning like the Ramam uses by Shofar and Lulav to mean all of your shlamim where you can cook a shlamim. So anyway you can cook a shlamim as long as you cut your hair proximate to it in the areas that are deemed okay for a shlamim, then you'd able to put it, or you would need to put it underneath the fire. So that's the other possible explanation of the position of the chachamim, depending on what you think mikdash is over here, and what lacks hava'ah. So that's the three opinions as to what happens with the hair here. You have Rabbi Meir who says the hair always goes under the korban, unless you do it b'midina and your tamay, where there you would have to bury it. Because these are all Isr Hana'a in these items. On the other hand, Rabbi Huda divides between Tameh and Tahor. Tahor always puts it underneath. Tameh always does not put it underneath. Like the Psukim suggests that the Din is by a Tahor, not by a Tameh. And then we have the Chachamim who say that nobody puts it underneath unless you're a Tahor. Right by the Shlamim, doing it in the Migdash. Which is what seemingly is being said by the Psukim. That Petach Omoed, he cuts his hair and then he puts it under the Shlamim. You do it right, you put your hair there. Otherwise... You don't put your hair under the korban. Okay, we're going to stop here by the Mishnah on the bottom of Memhei Amud Bet.